coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss, no one makes me bleed my own RAM. New RAM bleed attack allows access to sensitive data and memory. Next up, XM marks the spot for vulnerabilities. And finally, not so okay computer. The Android wasn't paranoid enough. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 17, recorded on June 17th, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, never met a pun she didn't like. With me, co-host Taylor, the baby shark, Wilkes Pierce. (sighs) And last but not least, Tim, what do you mean my nicknames are too long, Carol? They are incredibly reasonable helming. All right, Tim, I see what you did there. (laughs) And Taylor... We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> Actually, I won't be here next week, so we won't. Oh, no. Are you going to start from scratch with elongating your intros, or what's going to happen with that? I'm taking the week off to think entirely about that problem and nothing else. Perfect. I'm deeply concerned for episode uh, 19. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, why? Why the baby shark? I, you know, it's all my two-year-old wants to hear, so everyone else gets to listen to a little bit, too. Will we hear a rendition on Breaking Badness. I don't know. You'll have to wait to find out. Ooh, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. I don't know why I did SportsCenter for that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, our viewers, our dedicated listeners, committed listeners can wait to potentially hear a rendition of The Baby Shark um, by Tay-Tay, a.k.a. Taylor Wilkes-Pierce. Um, thank you, Taylor, for being on the show with us today, filling in for Emily. Yeah, we appreciate it. Always good to glad have you to be back. here. Yeah, a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad you could be a victim again. I mean, I'm glad you could participate again. Um, but we've got a lot of great stuff today, so I'm going to jump right into it. The first discussion point, no one makes me bleed my own RAM. If people do not know, that's um, in, in you know reference to Zoolander, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Um, go watch that film if you have not seen it. We'll wait. <laughs> 90 minutes later. A team of researchers representing several universities has disclosed the details of RAM bleed, a new type of side channel attack on dynamic random access memory. And it can be used to obtain potentially sensitive data from a device's memory. So it also sounds like Rambleed is based on Rowhammer. So, Tim, can you provide us with a brief reminder of this technique? Yeah. So just as a reminder, so this category of vulnerability has to do with the physical architecture of the RAM. The chip makers have crammed more and more memory cells into the same space, which is great in that you can get higher volumes of memory in the same or less physical space. But it's reached a point where the cells are so small and uh, so closely packed together that it's impossible to prevent them from sometimes interacting with their neighbors. Mm. And flipping bits in those adjacent cells uh, or uh, detecting uh, bit flips in those uh, adjacent cells can lead to being able to read out memory areas you're not supposed to be able to read. Uh-oh. So in essence, you can deduce what the bits are in this case with this uh, vulnerability, what the bits are in cells that are adjacent to a cell that you are able to control by writing to it. Thank you for synthesizing that. That was quite a bit of that. It was like that information was being packed into that discussion just as deeply as a close space, yeah. A close space. Yeah. I, uh, for the record, Tay Tay was making some pretty amazing 
physical representations of what that might look like. I'm so sorry that this is a Once podcast. Once again, we're not a video <laughs> podcast. We describe <laughs> live interactions. Anyway, so I think that was that was a great um, lead in here to what Rambleed is. So, Tim, how did researchers discover this new vulnerability? And perhaps you can just provide a little insight into to Rambleed itself. Sure. So the central thing about this particular attack is the researchers were able to manipulate the memory. I believe in the article we read, they actually said memory massaging, mm. which I won't go into in a lot of detail. <laughs> they were able to manipulate it in such a way as to get the data that they wanted to steal to be written into memory cells that were adjacent to ones that they actually directly controlled. And that way, by being able to infer the state of bits in the cells that were next to the ones that they could control, they could read out the victim's data. Mm, curious. That is not great. So what what types of devices are at risk to this type of vulnerability? Uh, mainly rectangular ones. <laughs> no. What about squares then? Uh, no, no. Weirdly enough, your Mac Mini is fine. No, your Mac Mini might not be fine. I think the rounded edges will protect it. They might. They might be helpful. No, it's been uh, demonstrated against devices that use uh, DDR3 and DDR4 memory, which means that's quite a lot of uh, devices. If you're listening to this podcast on a laptop, your laptop might be affected by this particular vulnerability. Oh, my. <laughs> I, it, I can't help but think that DDR3 and 4 are, are referring to Dance Dance Revolution. Is that not? Oh. <laughs> that is quite <laughs> the head shake from Tay-Tay. <laughs> it's okay. I deserved it. I forgot how groany the jokes are here. And so has has this vulnerability been exploited in the wild? Is this going to be a Nat Geo for Rambleed? We don't know at this time. <laughs> There's no evidence that it has, but uh, absence of evidence is not evidence. the evidence of absence. Of absence. Um, let's get that a little more together. <laughs> absence of evidence is not evidence, evidence of, of absence. absence. Perfect. <laughs> Nicely done. So we don't know. That was a great answer. The committee <laughs> accepts that answer. I see what you did there. Um, so I guess the most important question I think we like to explore here on the podcast is what the heck can you do if you're working for an organization? Are you a network defender? How do you mitigate the risk of something like this, um, even though there is evidence that is absent? Right. Well, uh, all of the... Uh, recent hardware-based vulnerabilities we've been hearing about, like Rowhammer and also like the Spectre meltdown speculative execution flaws, are hard to completely secure against. So for now, the best thing you can do is just take the CPUs and all the RAM out of your computers. <laughs> yep. Done. That will 100% solve this problem. <laughs> totally solves this problem. You can't have this problem in that case. No, no. Uh, so really all you can do is practice the usual security hygiene things and be particularly careful about anything that enables attackers physical access. Uh, not just don't leave your computer with the top secret company plans unlocked in the bar at Applebee's while you go to the restroom, <laughs> but also stuff about not using USB sticks whose history you don't know well. It's all the usual things. Um, that you that are the closest advice that we can give on this. Nothing super specific about how to protect against these, unfortunately. That Applebee's incident sounded very specific. It was one time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Taylor's like, you take me on the podcast and you publicly shame me for my Applebee's addiction. It was a Chili's too at the airport, okay? <laughs> One side <Fairness>. Applebee's. <laughs> well, I think at this point, then, it's probably a good opportunity to do our hoodie goodie rating. And so, Taylor... I'm going to I'm going to ask you first, what would you rate this? Yeah, you know, as it stands now, looking at what they had to do to get their um the exploit running uh, in their proof of concept, it's, you know, a lot of a lot of conditions have to be met for this to be a viable vector. Uh but I think that, you know, the attacks like this only get better over time. Um so this is something where it's it's a really clever rearchitecting. Rowhammer was all about uh, hammering those to, to, to change data in them. Uh, this is all about inferring data off of them, which is a little bit scarier. Uh, and it's tricky because there's no way, like to mention, there's no way of knowing if you've been impacted by this. So if you've got services running in a public cloud and you're on a box with somebody else and you don't know who your neighbors are, uh, you'd have a tough time uh, you know, saying, hey, this has never happened to us. Uh, you're, you're trusting a lot to your, uh, your hosting providers at that point to do the mitigation uh, for you. So mm. uh, it's tough to tell, right? So I, I think that, you know, as it stands, probably pretty low. Go, the go forward on this is a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, as we've seen with like Spectre and Meltdown, a lot of those uh, mitigations of the hardware stuff happens uh, at the cost of the cloud providers, right? So the ones who really felt the pain of that are probably the folks like AWS and, and Google and DigitalOcean, the guys who all of a sudden have 10% less CPU to work with thanks to mm. mitigating Spectre and Meltdown, right? So uh, for this is a little bit trickier because it's uh, it's a RAM, it's you know uh, an iteration on Rowhammer, um, which has been around for a little while in terms of what we know about, but I don't think we've seen any like large scale exploits or anything like that happening. But you know it does uh, get around some of the mitigations that were put that could be theoretically put in place. Uh, so ECC or error correct error corrections on RAM, like this doesn't seem to be impacted by that as much as Rowhammer was. So that's kind of tricky. Um, that boils down, you, you know, I'm a little different in my hoodie ratings from Ooh, everybody else. I've been waiting for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, um, let's say four hoodies, uh, a sleeve and a zipper. <laughs> <laughs> the zipper, I think, really yeah. just makes so it. So the sleeve and the zipper are, uh, are in addition to the four full exactly, hoodies. Exactly, so yeah. that represents so, a few hundred millihoodies. Yeah, <laughs> a few hundred millihoodies. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a sleeve few. and then the zipper of, the, of that, that fifth hoodie is there. As he points to his zipper. To my DT hoodie to that I'm wearing. his Domain Tools hoodie. <laughs> well done. It's like he brought it as a prop or something like that. What's well, giving a hoodie rating without a hoodie? That's, whew. did the hoodie rating ever happen if you weren't rating a hoodie? Exactly. That's a question for next week. But for now, Tim, <laughs> how would you rate this one? Well, uh, that was a great analysis there. And so I'm not going to add anything to that. I'm going to say I was kind of thinking four uh, was the first number that popped into my head. And then as Taylor was going through a little bit more of his explanation, I was kind of going up from there. So uh, I, I'll just just for the sake of variety, uh, put me down for five Hoodies. <laughs> oh, my. I think another thing to think about when it comes to these things is when, when it's hardware, it's really tough to fix ex post facto without yeah. swapping it out. So embedded systems, like stuff that's put into an elevator car and is meant to be there for a couple of decades, like that's the stuff that doesn't – that could be impacted by this down the road. That That's a little, you know, a little ATMs. scary. ATMs. That's yeah, and that's probably mm. what will happen well before the elevators. There's no money coming out of the elevators. Right? <laughs> I'm taking the wrong elevators. Oh boy. Okay. Well, thank you both. That was a 
a fantastic discussion around that. Thank you for your input on that, Taylor, as well. Um, and let's move into our second article of discussion, which is XM marks the spot for vulnerabilities. Tay-Tay deserves the credit for that title. Um, XM servers estimated to run nearly 57% of the Internet's email servers are now under a heavy barrage of attacks from hacker groups trying to exploit a recent security flaw over vulnerable servers. So, first of all, does anybody else feel like the use of barrage is just completely (laughs) overdone in security? In a lot of cases, yeah. This one is one where wide-scale scanning has revealed a ton of potential uh, systems that could be impacted by this. I got, I got it. Like the fifty-seven percent of email servers is a little tricky uh, because XM gets packaged by default in some Linux distros, and uh-huh. in off the top of my head, I can think of cPanel as a hosting provider uh, panel piece of software that it, that XM is is installed by default on as well. So I wonder if there's some overinflation in those numbers, but certainly there's a large number of these servers that are vulnerable. So it's anywhere from 4.87 to 4.91. They have released, like 4.92 is the newest version of that. If you upgrade to that, then you're in the clear. Um, I think uh, Microsoft started picking up some of this activity on Azure and posted a warning about it. But yeah, it's it's um, it's just an input sanitization error, right? Right. Uh, and so it allows you to run commands um, just by sending mail, or specific mail to a server if you're local. Uh, there was a remote execution of this that took seven days to run. It was like one byte per hour was getting sent over to the XM server. Uh, I think that that has been replaced. There might be a faster remote uh, execution of this, uh, if, if I'm reading some of this correctly. Right. Speaking of that, it looks like there was a two waves, in a sense, of this attack. So I feel like they were just trying to be you know, very French, like the nouvelle vague <laughs> of exploit. Um, so just maybe in honor of the Women's World Cup, they were you know, providing oh, some French opportunity. There. For sure. No, I um, think the timeline of this is interesting. The XM team um, uh, kind of posted, hey, this might be an issue back last year. Uh, the Qualys team said, yeah, this is an issue and this is how you break it. <laughs> confirmed. It confirmed. <laughs> and then immediately people started scanning and launching attacks based off of that. And I think there was an initial wave of attacks that went out um, that resulted in, uh, I think, a coin miner getting run, uh, which, of course, well, that's that's what you do nowadays, right? Like if you're going to break in, you're going to mine stuff on it. Um, <laughs> but then now there's a second that's wave. That's just like a burn-in test that they right? do, right? Yeah. <laughs> everything's working right. <laughs> yeah, if it mines for 24 hours, yeah, then it's good then to leave good. it up full-time, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, and now a second wave has come along uh, just in the last couple of days. So happy Father's Day. Happy uh, Father's Day. <laughs> um, Here's a worm. <laughs> right? and, it, and it's a worm, right? So it's it's self-propagating. So, so it installs a scanner that looks for other stuff, to, other XM stuff to break. Uh, and it's also installing a root SSH key uh, now, which is extra fun, which oh. means that they've got a nice backdoor uh, into those systems. So hopefully people have got nice backups to roll back to. Um, you know, I know that I, I in a fit of panic, just ran on, hopped onto a server just to make sure I wasn't running XM. I was not. I was <laughs> post-fix. <laughs> but I wasn't say, sure. <laughs> would this be a uh, root awakening? Uh, oh. groan. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah that's um thank you for that synopsis there tay tay 
Um, and I think you might have alluded to this a bit earlier, but can you go over how the, the vulnerability was initially discovered? I think you mentioned that it happened quite a while ago. Yeah. So I think the XM team, um, it's an open source project. So as, as loosely connected as some of that stuff can be sometimes, uh, the folks working on that project, I should say, they probably not wouldn't consider themselves dedicated to it. But the folks working on the project said, hey, this is something that could potentially be XM needs to run as root in these couple scenarios. Um, and there's an issue there where it could just start running commands. <laughs> I don't think that they knew that at the time, that it would potentially be so dangerous. And then the Quailis team uh, announced it back just earlier, I think, on the 5th of June. And the initial wave started on the 9th of June. So things happened pretty quickly. And then wave two started over this past weekend, just you know, five or six days after that. And it sounds like the second wave was uh, significantly more dangerous than the first wave. Yeah, you know, what's interesting nowadays is that we can use Shodan and, and other uh, scanning services to identify, hey, there's 3.6 million potentially, uh, you know, people um, uh, six million servers that might have an issue with this, whereas, you know, back in the day, that might take us a lot longer to, to, to get to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that uh, that that second attack where they're getting that root SSH key in there is a little more concerning than the first one. But and so, what would you say folks should be doing to mitigate the risk of this very issue? Uh, you know, I mean, patch right. So obviously, you want to be on four point nine two. You know, do you need to be running XM to begin with? <laughs> like, do you need to run <laughs> questions an MTA, to ask yourself? Right? Like, yeah, because I think that a, lo- a large part of that number could be cPanel servers that are running this, where the folks who are operating them might not even know, they might not even have that stuff turned on, but it's still there. Yeah, I have a hypothesis that maybe a lot of the mail servers that are running XM are basically they, their whole purpose in life is just sending logs. Um, but I don't know if that's actually <laughs> that, true. And there are actually so there are some appliances that use XM yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. So uh, that mm-hmm. you know, it, it fi- it's found its way into a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, are there any appliances off the top of your head that folks should be paying extra heed to? Uh, Sophos, there was one uh, Sophos appliance that used XM to send log stuff <laughs> uh, that I read about. I don't know how. I'm sure that they've mitigated that pretty quickly. Um, Probably some smart refrigerators. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for my fridge to <laughs> start mailing. To root my microwave. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. With Ramblead, I know, to contrast, we didn't really have any information. We didn't. It was a lot of unknowns, unknowns, if you will. And so... It sounds like this might be the polar opposite of that. So do you have any thoughts on that dichotomy, if you will? Or, Yeah, I mean, this is obviously it's in software, so it's a lot more cut and dry. Um, so it's like, hey, we've spotted this. It's already being exploited in the wild. We've watched the waves of attacks. Uh, you know, we've seen the scans of the Internet at large showing us what is uh, has potential for being broken into uh, based off of this. And so this is this is definitely one where it's a lot more concrete than something like Ramblade, where Ramblade is... Um, They've got the fun logo and they've got, <laughs> got all the academic research behind it. This is, uh, you know, a lot uh, a lot more in the weeds where it's actually being exploited in the wild today. Can I just say that this <laughs> branding of vulnerabilities is getting a little bit out of hand? <laughs> he hasn't been waiting to say that. No, not at all. No. Yeah, I teed you up uh, for that one. I mean, like, are there – I, I want to know, are there branding companies – that like offer services for branding. Some of our specialties are branding, you know, uh, software and uh, services and vulnerabilities. <laughs> because it seems like every time you hear about one of these things, it's got a logo and it's got some kind of a clever name. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think I'm of two minds on this because on one hand, uh, it really it, it focuses the mind better than CVE-2016-0133, which no one's going to remember. But like what? Heartbleed, for example, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to remember that, right? It, yeah. It's got a cool logo. I think that might have been one of the first ones uh, that utilized this. I'm where... trying to remember, yeah, if there were logos before. <laughs> I think it's the logos that are getting to me. The name of it, fine. You know, no problem. But the logos, like, what that keeps just him feels up at a night. little extra. Extra. Look at you. This is like the youth lingo. The logos are extra. I like it. Okay. Well, I know, Tim, that that will surely impact your hoodie score based on your hatred of the icons. Iconography <laughs> well, associated yeah, yeah. the logo. What, what do well, you think? Well, no, this one doesn't have a... Uh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm referring one, to Rambly. Rambly has a logo. Well, then no. the lack of logo. Yeah, the hoodie score on this one, I, you know, to me, it's it's fairly low because it's patched. Uh, well, the patch exists. Um, <laughs> we don't know if it's patched by uh, among those three and a half million servers or whatever. Uh, I, I'd go about a two on this one, I think. Tay-Tay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the score, hoodie score might be in the eye of the beholder, right? So if, since, you know, I'm not running a vulnerable XM server, I'm probably not particularly all that worried about it. But, you know, if I were, I'd be checking my backups right now and probably rolling back and updating. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's remote command execution, which is a little, um, that's obviously a little more serious than, than just being able to arbitrarily run code somewhere, right? So I can actually uh, manipulate and, and have a lot more power over a system in certain cases, right? So, um, um, four pairs of hoodie zippers. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go four hoodies, uh, <laughs> All right. and then two sleeves, sure. and then drawstrings, mm. right? Drawstrings, yeah. Mm. This is why we learn fractions in school for these very <laughs> moments. <laughs> what is the maximum hoodie rating? Is it 10? 10. 10 hoodies is the maximum, right? So, well, I think that's you know, a that's what we know about today. It's true. I mean, who knows? Today's 10 could be tomorrow's 12. We, we don't know. No. That, the scary thing is that today's 10 could be tomorrow's like five <laughs> when we discover that there's something way worse than any of us thought. <laughs> that any of us could ever but Then imagined. it would just be like uh, Matthew, one of our colleagues, Matthew, said basically just nobody should ever connect to the internet at all. <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty much the conclusion he's reached. I mean, you're definitely safe at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go unplug my refrigerator. Um, perfect. So let's talk about the most important thing that's on all of our minds, which is not so okay, computer. The Android wasn't paranoid enough. Radiohead refuses to pay 150 grand ransom for hacked recordings and chooses to release them instead. So, Tim, I'm actually going to ask you, what what happened here? Nothing. That's what makes it so great. No, actually, that's not quite true. Uh, this is a ransom story, but interestingly enough for what we do, it's not a ransomware story. What happened here is someone stole the mini disk files. You remember that format? Mini discs. MD. They were the new hotness for all of about 35 seconds. Right? <laughs> Somebody stole those files uh, with unreleased material from the OK Computer record and threatened to make them public unless Radiohead paid 150 grand. Well, Radiohead did the best possible thing. They went ahead and put all the files up on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah. 
I like what Johnny Greenwood said on Twitter. He's the guitarist from Radiohead, though. Uh, one of the things he said was, uh, never intended for public consumption, though some clips did reach the cassette in the OK Computer reissue. It's only tangentially interesting and very, very long. Not a phone download. Rainy out, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just captured Johnny. I don't even know, you know, I don't know what Johnny talks. I couldn't try to imitate his, uh, you know, manner I think you of nailed speech. It. So. <laughs> I think you there emulated you him I'm quite just, well. I'm just quoting him. <laughs> so I, I know this is ridiculous. You know, music has come up a lot, first of all, in this podcast. In our last episode, there was some fantastic music found on a file dump. Was oh, yeah, not? that's right. There was that, uh, that was the file dump from the... Uh, people that had the license plate readers, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. they had files with uh, Stevie Wonder music mm-hmm. on them. Oh, I forget. Steve who, Lind. What, uh, Steve Lind Morris. Steve we, Lind our Morris. listeners, found out that Stevie Wonder's given name is Steve Lind Morris. Stay tuned for Taylor's baby shark impression of Steve Lind <laughs> Morris, known fondly as Stevie Wonder. <laughs> well, okay, I just wanted to remind folks of that fantastic right. episode. Um, do dive back into that if you want to be as paranoid about your license plate information, as I now am. Um, so, Taylor, this might be a ridiculous... You're paranoid about my license plate information? I am. I didn't realize Tim, that. That's very kind paranoid. of you, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, Taylor, how can organizations take away any lessons from Radiohead's doing that you can think of possibly? Uh, I mean, in in some ways, it feels like uh, they're practicing some good disclosure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this is this is an interesting case because they don't, you know, obviously it's 18 hours or, or however many hours of recordings of stuff that they didn't really intend to get out, but it's not like their private emails or um, their credit card information or something like right. that, right? So ultimately fairly harmless from just the, hey, we'll dump this out. Uh, probably good publicity for exactly. them. Exactly. They're getting the last <laughs> laugh here, which I think is the best thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good reminder about how important it is to secure your IP. Like you said, though, they're, it could have been much worse. At least they weren't working on a brand new album that they were yeah. ready to go marketing machine on. So. I'd be interested to find out how the stuff got out. Like where did like, – I've heard of people finding uh, albums like in dumpsters and things like uh, CDs huh. in dumpsters and then posting them. Uh, outside of the studios, like waiting for that kind of stuff. So I wonder if this Ooh. is similar to that. I don't know why someone would have thought that they would pay 150,000 pounds for uh, some studio recordings from 1997-ish. That yeah, it was a good year, Taylor. <laughs> seems like maybe they aimed a little too high with their, with their uh, demands there. Lesson of the day. Yeah, Make sure supply like, and demand align for your ransomware needs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe there's a number where they would just give them a couple hundred pounds to keep it quiet. I don't know. Uh, but they turned it in, made good publicity out of it. And then it yeah. looks like they're trying to raise money for climate activism. So good on them. That's awesome. <laughs> and the thief gets nothing. Nothing. Except nothing. the world's derision. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad, so sad. Too bad, so sad. Well, Tim, I'm going to ask you how you feel about a, a hoodie or a goodie rating on this sucker. Yeah. I. Uh, that's a tricky one, actually, because it's sort of goodie from the standpoint of what uh, how, what Radiohead did with this. Um 
We don't know from the story how the mini disk files were accessed. My uh, sense is that it was not that somebody walked in and actually made off with the physical mini disks. They must have uploaded, Radiohead must have uploaded those to some server somewhere, right? Mm. And so really, it's actually really hard to know um, because we don't know what security was or wasn't in. Hey, maybe somebody exploited Rambleed to get the. Oh, my. Oh, that makes things interesting, doesn't it? We can't prove it didn't happen. But we are. That's right. Absence of evidence is not. Evidence of absence. That's right. So if that was the case, then we'd already have the hoodie rating because we did those in the first segment. But really, I, you know, in a sense, I don't know. I can't give a hoodie rating to this. So I'll just give a goodie rating of five goodies to Radiohead for doing what they did. Good on you, Radiohead. All right, Taylor. Beat that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the hoodie rating, or goodie rating's got to go to uh, Radiohead for, for just getting out in front of it and, and kind of uh, removing the power of the quote-unquote hackers. Again, yeah, we don't even know if it was hacked or dumpster dove or, or how they picked <laughs> up that info. Um, but I think, that, you know, the way that they reacted to it is, is pretty good, right? Uh, and then trying to take that and raise some money for what could be a good cause. That'd be, you know, that, that sounds like a good way to make uh, lemons out of lemonade for them. Lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> the deconstructed it's, lemonade. It's actually yeah. pretty good if you can make lemons out of lemonade. Yeah, that would be an impressive, impressive process. That would be. I'll start using that in modern speech and see what happens. So what was your official score for that? For goodies? Um, let's give them like three and a half goodies. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What parts of the the... Well, we don't know what the it goodies is. different. Like what is a good? That's an abstract that out, thing. What's yeah. the, we need to we need to create that. Taylor, I'll make sure you're um, looped into the creative process for the goodies. Yeah, I need don't to know worry. like the sleeve counts. I need to <laughs> the know the counts. zipper specifications. If right? it's even a garment, are there pockets? I mean, who knows? I yeah? I picture it almost like a little cookie or something. Ah, I mean, Taylor, I think there's something on all of our listeners' minds, which is um, when will we be hearing? The elusive Tay-Tay yeah. saying Baby Shark. So I perform uh, Baby Shark exclusively in my car. Uh, <laughs> Are the there way. any files of that somewhere? <laughs> uh, you know, oddly enough, my my uh, I had an old car that had a, a spot for a mini discs player. Uh, oh, it was Japanese. Yeah, I had the MD. You could see the MD slot, but it didn't have <laughs> – it was never hooked up or anything. Um, but, yeah, so they'd have to be in my car uh, in the 10 minutes that it takes to me to get from daycare to home. That's when uh, that's when most of my performances of Baby Shark go live. You heard it first. Find where Taylor lives, sneak into his vehicle, and there and only there will you hear Baby Shark. You need some hacked license plate reader files or something to uh, start to get a beat on that. Hmm. Yes. How close is Seattle to Vancouver? Never mind. Um, well, I wish our listeners the best of luck on tracking down Tay-Tay. I don't. <laughs> His OPSEC is actually very good. I so. know. I'll keep a close good eye. Good luck to you. Yes. Well, again, Taylor, thank you for joining us on today's show. And Tim, as always. My pleasure to be here, Carol. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Anytime. And um, again, Tim will be on vacation next week, but um, he'll be back for episode 19. And we hope to see you then. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at DomainTools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. 
that's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>